You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Really, I'm so glad that every one of you are here tonight. I ask you to bring a pen this evening and to write this information in the flyleaf of your Bible. As we studied this whole issue of decisions, how many decisions do they tell us we make every day? (laughs) 53,000 decisions, or excuse me, 35,000 decisions that this lexic there that we make every day comes down to about a decision every two seconds, okay? Now, obviously, a lot of those we don't even think about, we just... We just do it. But when it comes to making a decision, my question is, do you have a biblical plan in place? A plan that you use when it comes to determining the will of God for your life and what you should or should not do in a given situation. Remember that one day we're going to stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ And we're going to give an account of the things that we have done, the decisions that we have made, whether they be good or whether they be... So decisions have consequences. And I mentioned this morning, for those of us who are old enough, we can look back at our lives and see some of the decisions that we have made that have had devastating consequences in our lives. And so we're always encouraging, and I'm always encouraging, especially the young people, not to make those decisions that would adversely affect them because I really want them to have a God-blessed life. And so God blesses decisions that are made right in the center of His perfect will. So as I have studied the Scriptures over the years, there's been 10 steps that have emerged out of the Scriptures, 10 principles that we can use when it comes to discerning God's will for our life. Number one, Number one is that we need to clear our heart from any known sin. Clear our heart from any known sin. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not what? He will not hear me. Iniquity is that which we know that we should do, but we don't do it. It's iniquitous. Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God's word says that we need to have clean hands and a what kind of heart? A pure heart. And those who have clean hands and a pure heart can ascend into the hill of the Lord. They can get a word from God. So it's very, very, very essential that as you're discerning the will of God in a certain matter, that you, that you not make that decision flippantly, but that you really search your heart to make sure that there's nothing between, nothing between my soul and the Savior. Let's go to number two. We need to bring our desires into a position of neutrality. Get in neutral. If we're going to make a decision in the center of God's will for our life, we have to be in a position of neutrality. Jesus is our example, saying, Father, 
If thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but what? Thine be done. Paul, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now, I, I believe that this is true, at least of me. That this is one of the most difficult steps in discerning God's will for our lives. And it is the biggest battle that we will face is coming to a position of neutrality. Because we all have our own will, right? Yes or no? Yeah. And sometimes it's very easy to make our will His will by saying things like this, well, I've prayed about it. Or I talked to so-and-so about it. No, I really believe it's the biggest battle that we will face getting into neutral and saying, Lord, whatever you want in this given situation. It takes a yielded heart. Next is exercise patience. Some of us pray, Lord, give me patience and hurry up about it. One thing my wife has always accused me of and even my children is that I'm not the most patient person. Craig, you don't have to shake your head over there like... (laughs) But they that what? I hate to wait. How many of you hate to wait? I'm going to tell you, I'm so bad at this. When I get in line and there's someone ahead of me, First of all, I look to see which is the shortest line. How many do that? Okay. And so you're standing in line for a minute, and sure enough, there's a problem with their check, or there's not, you know, a barcode on it, and the light goes. So you look and you step over to another line, and the same thing happens in the line. How many are with me? Why does the Lord do that? And then the line you were in, it goes through. (laughs) No, I think most of us are pretty impatient people. But one thing I have found over the years, God usually doesn't act quickly. But beloved, be not ignorant of this thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. Shelly said to me just the other day, she said, I came across one of my journals and there was something the Lord told me 18 years ago that he was going to do. And I remember when my wife came back and she was so excited because God told her he was going to do this. This is 18 years ago and it still hasn't happened. But when you stop and think about it, 18 years ago with the Lord wasn't even yesterday. He doesn't operate on the same limitation of time that we operate on. Rest in the Lord and what? Wait, rest. Just chill out. Just rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. How many of you have ever run ahead of the Lord because you've been impatient in discerning His will? Yep. 
Never turned out too good, did it? Number four, don't give in to pressure. So many people will try to pressure you, that peer pressure that we talk about. I want to tell you, a good friend will never try to pressure you. They'll encourage you, they'll, they'll pray for you. But they won't try to pressure you into making a decision. I've basically come to this point in my life, if you pressure me, you can guarantee I'm not going to make a decision. Okay? And I'll tell you, that is always, I'm not saying that to just be stubborn, and, but I'm saying when someone is trying to pressure you to make a decision, you most always will make the wrong decision. Can you see that picture? It's a little dark, isn't it? Not, not sure why that's so dark. What is that a picture of? The golden calf. Aaron, the golden calf, the children of Israel, Moses coming down the mount. There was a noise of war in the camp. Comes down, sees what's going on. He addresses Aaron. Aaron was responsible to lead the people. They're worshiping the golden calf. Many are dancing naked, the Bible says. And Moses is angry. He said, Aaron, you have made these people naked unto their shame. And Aaron says, well, Moses, I really don't know what you're talking about. They brought me this gold and they brought me this silver and, and I threw it into the fire and poof, out came this calf. Seriously? Well, that's exactly what he said. Just up. Not taking responsibility. But what did Aaron give in to? Pressure. The people were pressuring him to do this because they thought Moses was up there lost or maybe dead in the mountain. They pressured him. Peer pressure is so powerful on our young people. And young people, if I can tell you one thing, having done all to stand, stand. Don't be pressured into making a foolish decision just because your peers want you to make that. Also, I just recently was talking with someone and they were sharing with me the situation that they're going through in their life and they said, you know what, Every, everyone is telling me to do this. I said, what is God telling you to do? You know what, it is hard to stand up when everyone is telling you to do something, but you know in your heart it's not the right thing to do. It takes so much courage to stand up and say, no, I'm going to do what I know is the right thing to do. And there's the verse I was referring to. Sorry, I didn't put that up earlier. Number five. Don't be stubborn. For rebellion... Does anybody remember who said this to who? 
Samuel said this to Saul, King Saul. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and what? Idolatry. Don't be stubborn. How many of you here would would say, you know, I do have a stubborn streak in me? Pansy, get your hand up, because I know if, if Phil was here, he'd lift it for you. Sometimes we do look at stubbornness as a good quality, but most of the time it's a pretty bad quality. If it's a stubbornness for the sake of the Lord, that's good. But if it's stubbornness just because you want your own way and your own will, not good. It's okay to change your mind. It's okay to say, I was wrong, I made a wrong decision. I came across this, I thought it was cute. If you are willing to admit you are wrong, when you are wrong, then you are all right. Isn't that good? You know, sometimes I think that if we admit that we're wrong, of course, it takes a lot of humility to admit you're wrong. But if we admit that we're wrong, then people are going to lose confidence in us or they'll lose confidence in our leadership. But you know, I've found that that's not the case. Look at Mrs. Wesco. What were the testimonies tonight about Mrs. Wesco? She is what? She's real. And she admitted some things to you ladies, right? Some things that she struggled with. A passage of scripture that she really got angry about. Let's be humble enough to admit that we're wrong and change course. And usually God gives us that opportunity, right? Say, eh, that wasn't really a good decision. Okay, don't stick with it then. Back away from it and change. Next, number six, be persistent in prayer. I think we often minimize this one. Usually don't pray about things as much as we should. But pray without what? Pray until God gives a clear answer. A clear answer. Not that you're foggy or you're questioning, am I making the right decision? But it's very clear this is what the Lord would have you to do. The widow and the unjust judge. She kept what? Coming and what? Coming. And she kept what? Coming. Until they said, okay. What do you want? Number seven, if there's any doubt in your mind, don't. I really don't know. Maybe this is, maybe it's not. I'm not. How many have ever had that doubt just run in their minds? I'm not sure if this is the right decision or not the right decision. Then don't make the decision. Ask the Lord to take away those doubts. He that doubteth is damned. That's pretty strong. He that doubteth is damned if he eat because he eateth not of faith. And then this statement here, for whatsoever is not of faith is what? 
So what's, what's the truth there? The truth is if you can't do something in full faith, knowing that this, this, is, this is the will, of, this is right, this is the will of God, then it, don't do it, it's sin. Benjamin Franklin was the one that said, when in doubt, don't. Seek godly counsel. Seek godly counsel. Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is what? Safety. How many of us have blind spots? Things that we just cannot see in our own personal life. Maybe philosophies that we have that are really blocking the way of God revealing truth to us. So let me suggest to you some people you may want to go to for counsel. How about your pastor? You sit under his ministry, you listen to his preaching. Need some counsel? Go to your preacher. He doesn't have all the answers, but he certainly knows someone who does. And I'll tell you something, if I don't know the answer, I'm not going to Try to buffalo you. I'll just say, you know what, I don't know, but I'll pray for you. I can't tell you how many people I've said this to. You know what, I don't know what the Lord would have you to do. I'll share some principles of Scripture with you, but you're going to have to wrestle this one out with the Lord. And sometimes I think that's the best counsel I can give. Talk to your pastor about it. Talk to older Christians those who have walked with the Lord for a period of time. I will say this. If you're a teenager, don't go to another teenager for counsel. That's about the stupidest thing you could possibly do. You know why I say that? Because when I was a teenager, I gave some terrible advice to my friends. And they gave some terrible advice to me. But you know, when you're a teenager, you think your friends know more than your parents. And they know more than your preacher and other godly Christians. It's just Satan's trick. So go to your pastor, talk to him, go to older godly Christians, go to godly friends. If you have some godly friends, I preface that, not friends, godly friends. If you don't have godly friends, get some. If you say, I can't find any, it's probably because you're not godly. You ever notice that godly friends kind of attract each other and ungodly friends do the same? Here's a novel idea. Talk to your parents. It's amazing that once I got married and started having children, how many times I called my dad on the phone for counsel. And even now that my dad's gone, how many times I hear his counsel in my heart. Go to your husband. The Bible actually tells you to do this. 
He says, ask your husband at home. Go to your husband. Go to your wife. She's your helpmate. It's really a sad thing when a husband and wife can't sit down together and discuss things spiritually. So thankful I have a wife that I can do that with. Not everyone has a husband or wife they can do that with, and I really feel bad about that. Go to some of your older godly children. It was so precious to me here just a few weeks ago when um, five of my sons, the five that are walking with the Lord, called me into my office. I'm usually calling them into my office. And they called me into my own office. Can you imagine that? And I uh, said, Dad, we've got to talk to you. And I needed that talking to. And based upon their counsel, the fact that they had gotten together behind my back. Can you believe that? <laughs> and they had talked about what's going on in our life and what they thought the Lord would have us to do and how they had prayed about it and how they needed to come talk to me about it. I thank the Lord that I have some sons who are walking with the Lord that could give me counsel. Seek godly counsel. Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in the latter end. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall what? That shall stand. Make sure, listen, make sure that the counsel that all that these people are giving you is from the Lord. Step number nine, use some common biblical sense. Use some common biblical sense. Sometimes we just don't have common biblical sense. God is not the author of what? Confusion. So if there's confusion, God is not behind that. And we need to get that confusion cleared up. I love this statement. Common sense is like deodorant. The people who need it the most never use it. <laughs> I got eight quick principles here for common biblical sense. Make a list of pros and cons. I think you've all heard this before. Strong meat belongeth to them who are of full age, even those who by reason of use has their senses exercised to discern good and evil. The pros and the cons. Make a list. Am I going too fast? You all doing okay? All right. Next, think about the future. If I make this decision that I'm tending to make here, how will it affect the future? How will it affect my church? How will it affect my family? How will it affect my friends? 
What will be the future consequences of making this decision? Let me give you an example. You see a car that you want. You have this caution. I probably shouldn't buy that car. I really can't afford that car, but maybe I can work this into my payments. And so you go in debt for this car and the adverse effects that that has on your church. You say, no, I can't tithe now because I got this car payment. The effect that has on your family puts your family under financial pressure. So you've got to think about the future before you make a decision. I could give many examples of that. Listen to the cautions of the Holy Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He, he will put a caution in your heart. Don't move forward until that caution is removed. Sometimes you can't even put your finger on it, right? You're just saying, this, this, this doesn't feel right. Don't make a decision based on money or material benefits. This is a big mistake people make. Get a better job offer somewhere else. They move. They move away from their family. They move away from their church. They move away from accountability. And they flounder spiritually. The love of money is the root of all evil. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Number five, ask yourself, is this a selfish, carnal decision that I'm about to make? Is this a selfish, carnal decision that I'm about to make? Is it all about me and my will and what I want? Ask yourself, is my decision based upon temporal or eternal values. I think we all know what the Bible says about the temporal as opposed to the eternal. So here we have the temporal, temporary, and then we have the eternal that goes on forever and ever. Make your decision based upon the eternal not upon the temporary. Pretty sad looking folks there, right? Don't make a decision where you are unhappy or discontent. I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be what? Content. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, long-suffering, so on. How many of you have ever made a decision because you were unhappy and you wanted to change the situation? Don't do it. How many of you have ever been discontent? <laughs> we all have been discontent. And then Satan comes along and he offers something to you that will pull you out of that state of discontentment. And number eight, don't let Satan appeal to your pride. Pride goeth before what? Destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Humble 
yourself. He's all, the pride of life runs deeply in every one of our lives. Don't let Satan use that against you. Step number 10, and we're done for the night, right at 8 o'clock. Step number 10, rest in the promises of God. Just rest. Say, what do we have as a promise of God, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and what? Precious promises. God has given us some precious, precious promises that we can hang on to and cleave to that really will keep us from making foolish decisions. Here's a great promise. And ye shall seek me, and what? Find me. How many of you here have ever really sought the Lord, and then you found Him? (laughs) Wasn't that great? Man, you were seeking Him, you were not rushing ahead of the Lord, you were laying your burden out before Him, you were getting to a place where you had no will of your own, and you sought Him, and you found Him. And you search for him with all your heart. So here are the ten steps in making wise decisions. And I guess I will throw a guarantee out here. If you do these things, you'll never make a wrong decision. Number one, clear your heart of any known sin. Bring your desires into a position of neutrality. Exercise patience. Don't give in to peer pressure. Don't be stubborn. Be persistent in prayer. If there's any doubt in your mind, don't do it. Seek godly counsel. Use some common biblical sense, those eight principles, and then rest in God's promises. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful we have the filter of God's Word? If you want to know the mind of the Lord, you have it right there in your lap right now. Let's pray, shall we? You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.